Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello there and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Delighted to be talking about Tottenham Hotspur getting back to winning ways in the Premier League after seeing off the Saints by two goals to one on Saturday. Pleased to be welcoming back to this week's show Lee McQueen, John from Lily White Rose and also we're handing out a very special debut to Jack Pitbrook who is a football journalist for The Athletic and will be covering Spurs for the season Enjoy the show. It's come out to Son. And this time, Ndombele makes sure. Tottenham in front. Ndombele makes the breakthrough. Had a chance a couple of minutes ago. Didn't take it. But that was emphatic. Son. Eriksen. Son again, Eriksen, now Kane, Tottenham back in front, breathtaking from Spurs, Kane, Eriksen, Son. Jack, delighted to have you on, making your debut on the last word on Spurs. Just to reflect on that win at the weekend, Jack, you know, it was a much needed back against the walls, I think, win. You know, Pochettino called for more togetherness and work off the ball after Colchester. And inside, you've got to say, Jack, you know, showed that with the 10 men for over an hour. What did you make of that performance at the weekend? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it was a performance that showed... Real character and unity. Um, I think the players responded very well to what Pochino had been saying after the Colchester game. It's really important, I think, to look at this in the context of Arsenal 2 0 up, drew 2 all, Olympiakos 2 0 up, drew 2 all, Leicester 1 0 up with 20 minutes left, lost 2 1. You know, clearly, Tottenham have had a problem in the last few weeks uh, closing out games. I think there's a bit of a question mark perhaps over their, ampl- over their application or organisation, their discipline or whatever. But this game, they answered it. They answered it properly. Like the first half was really exciting and fun, but the second was important. I thought the way that Tottenham defended with ten men, Sissoko at right back was fantastic. I thought it was Jan Vertonghen's best game of the season. Eriksson tried really hard. Lamella was fantastic when he came on. 
so yeah, I think an awful lot of positives for Tottenham coming out of that game. And Jack, just sticking with you, I mean, you're covering Spurs for the season. How are you finding the role there at the Athletic? Yeah, I'm loving it, thanks. So I, I mainly covered Spurs for the Independent over the last few seasons, so it's not really that new to me. Like, uh, I really like covering the club. Um, I know a lot of people there. I think it's a really good club to cover as a journalist because they're quite, you know, they're quite open and helpful. Um, it's great getting to see Pochettino at his press conferences. So yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I don't really know what's going to happen this season. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it'll be quite as eventful as last season, but um, I'm looking forward to see how it pans out. Fantastic. Well, listen, Jack, we're great to have you for the next hour or so. Lee McQueen, back on the last one on Spurs. By God, we've needed your positivity, Lee. It was a massive three points at the weekend, showing real character, Big. wasn't it? You know, in real moments of adversity. Pochettino, you would think, Lee, will be inspired by that second half. Great man management as well, and tactical play from Pochettino too. Introduced Lamella, who provided that extra energy, and to psycho the fitness and aggression to fill in at right back. What did you think of that win at the weekend? I think I think it was huge. I think it, I think Jermaine Genie's come out in the week, didn't he, and said oh, yesterday and said it's a defining moment. Could be a defining moment for Spurs this season. There's been so much negativity about our fantastic football club and the way that things are going. It's well documented about uh, players unrest and want aways and people not signing contracts and you know paying whatever he wants, as Jason always says, and whatever it might be. But the reality of the situation is that you, you're judged by results. This is the first time since the Villa game all them years ago, that Potocino's been under pressure from a, a results perspective. There's been some idiots on, on Twitter. Look, everyone's up to their own opinion, but there's been some idiots on social media saying, potch out. I mean, you're having a laugh. This guy is, is, the, is the blood of our club over the last five years. He's transformed or trying to transform. Shame he's not transforming the mentality of some of our fans, but he's transforming the way the players think, the way the club acts, the way, the way we've been. Um, and it's a tough patch, and this is the time to get behind your team. I have to say, I didn't make the game yesterday um, for, for, for work reasons, to be honest, but the, um, the crowd seemed good. You know, I was very, very critical on the Love Sport show a couple of weeks back after Newcastle defeat about our fans and about the crowd. And I think that uh, the crowd just was good. We got behind the team when we needed it. Our backs to the wall, I think. Um, as Jack said, we defended really well. Um, and, you know... Jason said it in the, uh, yesterday as well on the WhatsApp group, and I'll just share it with you guys about, you know, a lot of teams come to Wembley when we was playing at Wembley and now White Art, new White Hart Lane um, and put 10 men behind a ball and two banks of four and all the cliches. And, and we kind of did that yesterday um, to get the result. And, and we needed that result. And I think it, was, it would be massive. Look, I, I'm not going to try and paper over cracks. There's definitely some issues there, and I'm sure we'll get into it on the pod. But the reality of the situation is we've had a couple of inconsistent results. I wouldn't even say bad results, but inconsistent results. Obviously, Newcastle result was bad. Um, but to go away to Arsenal and to get a 2-2, and to go away to Man City and to get a, a draw, and to go to Olympiacos, I mean, any Spurs fan that wants to create an atmosphere, you want to go and watch that game back again, because the atmosphere is ridiculous in that stadium. So yeah, we've had, we've had to, a, a tough time of it, and with the unrest as well, we always say on the show, it's fine margins, and at this elite level, it only takes one or two things to kind of go a little bit pear-shaped, and all of a sudden, you're struggling. And, you know, uh, there, there's a few things that is going wrong, and, and it's Potch's job to sort it out. But I think on the whole... It was a massive three points for us at the weekend. I'm delighted. Yeah, David Lynch, David Lynch, three, three, three says fantastic backs to the wall performance. Everyone played for the shirt and gave 100. percent Now get off their backs and get behind the team. Well, David, I think our men to that. 
John, delighted to have you back on the show. A fortnight ago, Spurs answered questions about their ability to score goals away from home by blowing Palace away. This time, you would argue, John, when the team spirit and worth ethic was questioned, they've won with 10 men. Issues still remain, we can't get away from that, but you would argue that was just what was needed at the weekend, wasn't it? Maurizio Pochettino said during the week that he wanted his team to be united, he wanted to show that winning mentality, and despite going down to 10 men half an hour in, and that Larice Howler coming soon after, it showed real character, John, didn't it, to kind of get that result in the manner we did so on Saturday? Everything was sort of going against Tottenham Hotspur on Saturday, it was set to be, you know, a disaster, you know, with Hugo making a real sort of uncharacteristic error, uh, obviously, Serge Aurier being sent off, and we basically played, you know, for over 65 minutes with 10 men. So we did remarkably well to also, you know, had we even drawn that game, for me, that would have been, in hindsight of what happened, that would have been a good result, considering, you know, 10 men in the Premier League for 65 minutes is a very, very long time to be chasing that extra player. Um, but but to actually get the win and to score just before half-time, I was obviously delighted for um, Tangi Ndombele to, to get another goal because people were starting to question oh, has he had a slow start for Tottenham well actually no is the answer to that he's you know, two goals now already he didn't play uh, away to Arsenal I believe he missed another game as well um, Newcastle at home so he's, you know, he's made four or five Premier League appearances now and he's got two goals already I mean I think he's settling in really well and the more games he gets the more comfortable he's going to be um, I was slightly surprised when the team news came out and there was no Lamella in the lineup. I think Lamella's been one of our better players this season and I was hoping he was going to build on that. But as you said, Ricky, in the intro, um, when he came on, he gave us a real energy and, and, and pressed Southampton and sort of limited their uh, time and ability on the ball. So that was really great to see. And, and on Lloris as well, I mean, I know the error was just Shambic. I was right in front of me. I was sitting in the south stand and he did make two remarkable saves in, in, in the second half yeah. uh, from Ward-Prowse and uh, Yoshida. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let, let's not get on, on any of the players' backs or anything. And, and I want to pick up a point Lee said about the atmosphere. The atmosphere yesterday was absolutely fantastic. It was really, really good. I mean, even with everything going on, no one was really, you know, getting on Norris's back and none of this sort of sympathetic uh, chanting every time he was going to kick the ball or anything like that. So I was really actually proud of our support yesterday. I thought we sounded really good. Um, a few Southampton fans I know also commented on that. They said, oh, for a big stadium, you know, they weren't they weren't expecting it to have such a good atmosphere from the home support. So that was great to hear. Um, and yeah, it was, just, it was a vital, vital win for Tottenham. And for Pochettino, it puts to bed some of these slightly ridiculous stories that we've been hearing about, you know, and, and, and stupid fans is what I'm going to call them, saying Pochettino out. Um, people have got very short memories if a, a club that has gone through everything that we have over the last couple of seasons um, and then still reaches the Champions League final. I mean... For me, Pochettino's got a lot of credit in the bank. I said on our show on Wednesday, Ricky, that he could lose the next 10 games in a row and I still wouldn't leave Pochettino out. I really wouldn't because I just believe in him that given time, he can turn things around. He's now getting the better performances. You look at the likes of Jan Vertonghen, he was superb. Um, Tank Ndombele, Sissoko, who's just slotted it right back seamlessly and delivered a you know, really high quality uh, level performance. So I'm really positive about, um, about the season and we've got a couple more winnable home games coming up um, against the likes of Watford, um, so, yeah, so I, I'm looking positive and it was a, a vital three points for us. Yeah, most certainly it was a vital three points. Jack, we got a question in from Luke at Laco 28 who says, a lot of work to do still and not really a convincing win, but do you feel like we can push on from here or will there be more of this while we still have players playing who don't actually want to be at the football club? Well, to be honest, I thought that um, the players in question, Vertonghen, Alderweireld and Eriksen were really good. Uh, they, I thought that was Vertonghen's best performance this season. 
I thought Ericsson, not everything came off for him, but he kept running all the time. Like, if those three guys keep on playing like that for the rest of the season, and also I thought Danny Rose, lots of speculation about him for the last few years, but I thought he was good as well. If those three guys keep playing like that for the rest of the season, then I don't think Spurs are going to have too much of a problem. I don't think they are yet where, exactly where they want to be. They need to get the new players integrated, and they need to get Lachelso fit, they need to get Deli Ali fit. But I'm... Uh, I kind of feel like it's all still in the balance, but I do think there's still the potential there for a good season. I have to ask you, Jack, any chance in your mind those three, four players you've mentioned could still sign new contracts with the club? Or do you think their time has now been and gone and they do just want a, a new challenge? I think Ericsson will definitely go. I think Toby will definitely go. I think Vertonghen maybe 50-50. And Danny Rose... Uh, Danny Rose is slightly different because I think he's got one more year left after this one. I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd be surprised if he's still there next year, to be honest. So, yeah, I reckon it's it's more likely than not that those four will go. OK, interesting. Jack, we're going to get your thoughts shortly on the, the line-up and then we'll go into the game. Lee, question here from Perrin Isaac, which says, does this mean everyone loves Pochettino again in terms of that result? Great team performance who had to really graft and hang out there for the win. Very good performances from Kane, Son, Eriksen, Winks, Sissoko, Undenbele and Rose and Lamella as a substitute. Just what we needed to give the team a massive boost, Coys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just think it's an overreaction. Like, it's an overreaction when we, like, win two or three on the bounce. And it's an overreaction when we lose two or three or draw against, you know, Man City away or whatever. It's like, you know, you've got to have some calm there somewhere. And, you know, the reality of the situation, I've just, just been looking on social media and people are getting... Leicester won um, uh, this evening 5 0, right? So people were saying, oh, yeah, they're going to get top four. It's just such a knee jerk reaction. Just chill out and see where the time goes. Pochettino, and like what John just said in terms of credit in the bank, Pochettino's credit hasn't run out because he, he drew against Olympiacos. But, you know, we've got to have some calm here. And this is the thing, like, people are, are, are coming out and even in the media and so on and so forth are saying about, oh, this and Pochino, that, and all these different stories. And like Jack said um, uh, before, fair, you know, a, a load of rubbish, all these rumours. It's not, not never as good as what you think it is, and it's never as bad as what you think it is. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. So we need to just take, chill out a little bit and have a look at where we're at. We've got 11 points on the board. We've struggled, for sure. There's been some diff uh, disappointing performances. I don't want to come on and say kind of ifs and buts, but having said that, if we beat Newcastle, which we all should have, and that's the key the key point, if we'd have beaten Newcastle at home, we'd be on 14 points, we'd be in the top three, we'd be like a couple of points off Man City. It's, it's kind of, you know, you just got to have a little bit of calm. I think over the last five years, everybody needs to believe in this Tottenham Hotspur management team and the way and their philosophy and the way we're going. And, and we can't sit here and say that we don't believe that we're going to go on and win four, five, six, seven games on the trot. We can do that. We've done it loads of times under Pochettino. And I think that there's there's that run is, is coming. I think there's, you know, we, what did we score? Four against Palace and kept a clean sheet. And I think there's more performances like that once the squad settles down a little bit more. But going to a point that, that Jack said and, and the, the question that you asked about contracts and so on and so forth, I just can't see how... Um, Ericsson and Toby are going to stay at all. I totally agree with Jack. I think that I think they're off. And this might be controversial, but the reality is that if we keep playing these players, knowing they're going to go, 
What does that say to the rest of the squad? Pochettino's already come out and said that we've got a bloated squad, yeah. is the, uh, the words that he used. He likes to have a 25-man squad, we know that. He's got 28 or 29 players that he, he's now looking at, at using. And, and actually, you're bringing on the likes of Wanyama before the likes of Skip or before the likes of Dyer. You're playing Christian Eriksen, who, look, don't get me wrong, I love Christian Eriksen. I think he's a great player, a fantastic player uh, as that. But no one was in for him before. So so the reality is that he's got somebody hanging around that actually he should be playing Lamella. And the, and, and the question that came in from, uh, from social media was, we had some fantastic performances and Lamella again played well when he came on and he did. And actually, Lamella has started the season really, really well. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see what he do on Tuesday against Bayern Munich because... My gut feeling is that he won't play Christian Eriksen because of of them things that that were documented. But you've always got somebody that can change the game, and you're looking at it as the manager, and you're kind of going, if he does, if he if he does one of the magic performances, he could be a game changer, and that's why he's playing him. But if he's going, he can sign a pre contract in January. He shouldn't be near the first team for me. Mm. Well, let's discuss the team lineup. We're going to move it on to you, John, because Spurs made 11 changes on the side against Colchester with Lloris back in goal, along with Oria and Rose returning at left and right back, respectively. We saw Winks, Soko, Undenbelli, and Eriksen make up the midfield, with Sonny and Kane leading the attack. Any surprise, John, for you that there was 11 changes? Uh, not really, because the, the makeup of the squad on Tuesday was a majority of, of players that needed minutes young players or fringe players, um, and then also a player that shouldn't even be at the club in Victor Manyama. Um, so, no, no surprises for me. I was a little surprised Lamella didn't start, um, as, as I alluded to earlier, just because I think his form has been brilliant this year. I put him alongside Harry Winks as you know one of our better players this season. So I, I wasn't too surprised in the lineup. but what was interesting was, I mean, the first red card at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, if we were all going to put money on it, who was it going to be? Jokora, who, who stood up and, and got one. Um, it was going to be I mean, Serge, was, wasn't it? But can yeah, I, can I, mean, I ask no, you, John, before you go into Serge, talk us through and Dembele's goal because you spoke about it earlier. You were delighted for him to, you know, keep that goal-scoring record going for Tottenham at the moment. You know, he scored more goals for Spurs than he ever did, I think, in his period in Liga. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I saw a stat yesterday that he scored once in yeah for for Leon. Certainly, I don't know about his his previous sides, but. Um, I mean, look, with Ndombele, we saw even in the first game against Aston Villa, not just the goal that, that day, but the number of times he gets in really good space on the edge of the box. He's like waiting there. And now that we've seen he's got these different array of curling shots he can he can score with. I mean, yesterday I was on his left foot. Absolutely lovely. It was like he went through the keeper. It was so powerful. Um, so I was really pleased. And I, I had seen a few comments and a, and a few different things in the papers and stuff, you know, where they were saying that Ndombele had started slowly and sluggishly. But the, the stats speak for themselves. How many other holding midfielders have, in the Premier League have got two goals already? And um, the answer is none. So um, I, I was just really pleased for him, and, and I hope that helps him settle in. I know Suzuko is doing a great job as basically his his mentor and 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 helping him out with a lot of things at the club. And he's still a very shy guy. Uh, it was telling that yesterday he was supposed to come up to the H Club, which is one of the rooms Tottenham have got to do sort of a man of the match speech after the game. Um, but he didn't go, and, and Suzuko went instead and, and did the speech and, and collected the award for those lucky enough to be there. So you can see he's quite a sort of laid back, quiet guy, but. If he keeps delivering good performances and, and scoring goals, then that's going to really help him settle in and um, and we're going to start seeing the, the, the real player we've managed to secure. Because for me, he was one of the signings of the summer. He was my first choice signing. If we could have got anybody, it was that man. And I, I'm really, really pleased. It's, just to interact with you there, it's interesting with, uh, with Tungai because he had, a, he had an opportunity very similar to the one he scored 
probably about what three or four minutes before that. Yes, and, it, and he almost he almost I'm not saying that he you know he fluked it, but he almost just lashed it lashed a, a brilliant left boot at it. But he lashed a boot at it and it, and it just I think it went over. And then the yeah. second time, obviously, he put it in the back of the net. Like you, you're right, it kind of just almost went through the keeper, didn't it? It was like yes. it was so quick, almost the keeper didn't see it. It was it was a lovely strike, and um and again. He's, it's a funny one, but for me, because I remember one of our own, Jamie, talking about, um, you know, pre-season, he, he didn't look fit enough. I was thinking, really? But but actually, you can kind of see where Potts was coming from. And he, I think he's publicly come out and said he's only probably 30 or 40% of the of the real player that we are going to see. And that, that just leaves massive encouragement. I mean, it's so excited to keep seeing the guy play because, you know, if we're getting 30% of him, what's he going to be like when he's 90, 100%? Mm. I'm excited to see him in a Spurs shirt continue to grow. I've got the stat here, Jack. I want to throw it to you. He's scored more goals in his first five Premier League appearances for Tottenham than he managed in 69 League One appearances for both Amin's and Leon combined. So he's not made a bad start. For you, Jack, was that a real statement signing from Tottenham to secure the signing of Ndombele? Definitely every big team in Europe was interested in him. Uh, I know lots of agents were very impressed that Tottenham managed to get him because of how talented he is. I do think it will be a while before we see the best of him, just because it's a big adjustment, you know, coming from France, where it, you know, the games are slower tempo, it's a bit easier. You don't have to do as much to win a game as you do in the Premier League. I think it will take him. I think it'll take him a bit of while, like physically, to get up to speed with how Tottenham play, how Tottenham train. But there's clearly a fantastic player in there. Like he's so gifted. He's not. He's, he looks a bit raw to me because you can tell. Like he's had a slightly funny career. Uh, I've, I've written about this in the Athletic. Like he wasn't at a big academy in France. He was. He didn't really get noticed as being a, a very talented player, and t- only like literally three years ago. Uh, so he is a bit raw, but he's so gifted. The way that he drives forward with the ball, his first touch, his control, his skills, the way he can beat people. He's a really like. People look at him and think he's a defensive midfielder. He's not at all. He's a very, very exciting attacking midfielder. And I do, and when he gets settled, and it might even take the whole season, I do think he'll be a really exciting player for Spurs. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think what's really interesting about about uh, Ndombele is that um, he, 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 his body shape is... I don't know, he's kind of like, he's almost like leaning forward. It feels like when he's running, it feels like he's going to fall over. Does anyone else see that? <laughs> you know what I mean? like, I'm, I'm really pleased you say that because... That is exactly what I've thought when I've seen him. He like he runs <laughs> sure. at, he runs at an angle, right? Like, yeah, like, totally he's like the runs leaning, at an angle. He's like the leaning tower of Pisa. Like he's <laughs> yeah. not seen, but so this, so that's why he looks a bit weird, right? Because he's not he does, he's not upright, but yeah, it works for him. And for it, sure. you know he, he is really he is really powerful. Yeah, I think that's where I think that's why it works for him. It's almost like you know uh, you have these players that have this kind of low center of gravity and they can like turn on a whim and all that sort of stuff. We have not seen the best of uh, Ndombele yet for sure, but I think that's definitely going to help. And I think the other thing as well is it really excites me. Um, and John, this is one for you as well, buddy. Is that you know the whole you, you use the words there war is quite war like as in war talent, Jack. But you used to look at him and you look at Harry Winks and they could be. The, the linchpin of our midfield for the next, what, eight, six, seven, eight years? And that that is absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, it most certainly is. Well, John, it is time to talk Serge. Guys, this is going to be an interesting debate. Serge, where do we start? Because, John, you were making the point before that if anybody was going to get the first red card at the new stadium, it was going to be Serge. He was set off for a second bookable offence. And those two yellow cards came just four minutes apart. I mean, it was noticeable, John, that as he walked off, Oreo got nothing from Pochettino, not even a look of consolation or sympathy, absolutely nothing. What did you make of those four minutes? 
it's just Serge Aurier summed up. At last, uh, two weeks ago, at home to Crystal Palace, he was absolutely superb. He, he, he got an assist and he created numerous other opportunities. And then he's played in this game and he's, you know, it's, it's a disaster. It could have cost us. And it, Imagine if we had lost that game, as, you, as you'd expect to. You know, you're playing another Premier League team with 10 men for over 65 minutes. You'd expect to, you know, Southampton were, were dreadful, in my opinion, for not taking advantage of, of that situation and claiming the, the win themselves. Because... Aurea could have that could have been a real problem for us. Say we lost that game three one four one at home, um, you know that it would have been toxic around the place, and and that would have come down to Aurea effectively costing us. Mm. Um, it was really disappointing from the player. He, look, he, he, I've said this since we, we've had him. I've never been a, a big Serge Aurea fan. I know people try and tell me that he, he offers more, and you know he, he's just a liability. You know, in for the first season I go back to, he made seventeen appearances and he gave away three penalties. That is just unheard of, you know, and in big games as well, in the Bernabeu against Juventus. Um, so, for me, he's just, he's not got the right mentality. Do I think he's the best of what we've got at the moment? Yes. I think Walker Peters, he's in dire need of, of a loan and to go out and play regular football. Obviously, now he's the backup, he's not going to have that opportunity. Um, but I think he's the best of what we've got. But long term, uh, do I see him remaining at Tottenham? Absolutely not. There's certainly some issues going on behind the scenes with him. Um, so, He's another one that, that openly wanted to leave the club this summer. And it was just stupid. It really was. You know, if you've got that booking, do not do another one. Do not make it easy for the referee. I know some of our players think it went out of play. But, you know, to play to the whistle, it was really, really stupid for him to have got those two yellow cards so soon after each other. And, and it could have cost he, us on another day. And against the better side, it would have cost us. He got caught, didn't he, off right the pitch. And that, that was half the problem. And, you know, both of them were yellow cards, for sure. I mean, he yep. scissored the first, he, for the first yellow card, he scissored the dude. You can't you can't be scissoring people in the Premier League. You can't do it. And he scissored him down. So like, see you later. That's a yellow. And then just pulling pulling him back because he got he got caught just not concentrating. And this was what Pochettino was saying about him. You're absolutely bang on, John. He was outstanding against Crystal Palace. I thought, oi, oi, here we go. All right, uh, Jack, you talked about you know coming from Ligue 1 with Undembele. He's the same. He, he still ain't got used to the Premier League, and he's been with us 18 months. That's how long it might take some players. The, the reality is that he his focus and concentration it's not there. He's, he, he had one good game and he thought to himself, "Yeah, fantastic! I've had a good game. I'm back. I've got there's no competition for places at this club. So what difference does it make?" You know that, that, that an attitude thing with Serge Aurier. What are you doing within four minutes of getting sent like a yellow card and a yellow card? It's just absolutely. What do you do if you're a manager? What do you do? Like you're pulling your hair out, and you guys, what is happening well, here? You cannot be making them sorts of decisions and them sorts of challenges. Absolutely horrific. And going back to the point that John made, you know, you know, we're 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 well into our youth and and all that. You, you know that on on the pod and last word on Spurs and and John as well. Um, absolutely. But for me, I'll be playing KWP when fit or for it, of course, because you know. KWP might not be, you know, um, as experienced or have as much. Um, well, yeah, I'm going to say the word again. Experience is Serge Aurier, but actually, you could argue that he's he, he is just as good because he doesn't make rickets like that. KWP been sent off. He, he ain't given away three penalties in 17 uh, appearances. So, so the reality is, he's one of our own. He's a youngster, and the only way he's going to get better is to play games. So, if he's fit, play him. I, I, I was I was backing on Love Sport a couple of weeks back. I was backing Serge Aurier. Talking about actually, is he as bad as all that? But after after yesterday, that is exactly why you're pulling you out one minute 
it, again, he's like some of the fan base. One minute we're up here, the next minute we're down there, and that's Serge Aurier. You've got to get somewhere in between. There's just no consistency with a fella. Well, that's it, is it? I mean, Jack, no one questions Aurier's ability. I don't think we, we need to, but it's his focus and his judgment lets him down so often in the Spurs shirt. What did you make of that incident? I mean, you was there, Jack. Could you believe you were watching the space of four minutes? Well, yeah, I mean, if it was anybody else, I couldn't believe it. But when it's Aurier, you can believe it, can't you? Because he's so, uh, it's just kind of part of the course. There's, there's a reason why Tottenham were trying to sell him all summer. Mm. Um, yeah, like you say, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he is talented. He he does give you a different option. I, I thought he was, to be honest, at the Leicester game, for the first hour of that, I thought he was really good. Uh, giving Tottenham that extra width. Um, he, you know, he really opens up the pitch a bit. Uh, so he, there, there's a good player there. But the problem is, it's in his head. Like he's just, he. I don't think he's not a young player. I don't think. I don't think we will ever get consistent performances from him. And that, you know, that is why Tottenham do need a new right back because you, you can't rely on this guy. Just on that, Jack Dustin at Debo nineteen eighty says, "Will Poch give up on Noria?" But what you're saying, it sounds like he will do eventually. Well, yeah. I mean, he has to play at the moment because there's nobody else. But I can't see. Him. I'd be shocked if he was like a playing regularly by the end of the season or I'd be, and I'd be even more surprised if he's still there next year like right back you know I think they need there's other positions they need as well like centre back in the medium term is a big priority but they are going to have to have they are going to have to buy a new specialist right back at some point John Wardell at Joel Jubb says in a strange way will Aurea sending off be a decent or decisive incident for Spurs going forward surely battling for an hour with 10 men to get the win will do so much for their morale and team spirit and displayed a much needed fighting spirit lacking of late do you agree on that Lee? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting statement, actually, uh, John, but to, to be fair, because I do think that, I said right at the beginning of the pod, didn't I? I think that that could be a defining moment. It, it, it definitely will, will enhance the, uh, the team spirit um, and, the, and the togetherness and all the things that we all know, we all want to see. It's interesting, actually. I watched the game back a couple of times, uh, as probably we all do, because we're, we're all like mad like that. Um, and um, I, I, was, I was pausing it on the celebrations. I don't know if anyone does this right, but I was pausing it on the celebrations when we scored. Not for the fans, and we've already talked about the crowd. The crowd was fantastic, but actually on the players. So I, I think you can tell quite a lot about if people are actually interested or into it or, or, or whatever. And it's interesting, that the point being is that the people that are under fire, the, the, the players that like the Christian Eriksons, the Sergio Reyes, when that when um, when that goal went in, uh, um, Tungo Ndombele scored that goal, uh, and uh, you you saw who was really up for celebrating. Do you know what I mean? And and Christian Eriksen, it was a reaction. Like it's it's not a reaction that you can fake. It was a reaction that is just in you. And he and he celebrated quite hard and like yes, I've got get in there. Do you know what I mean? It was a thing. And same with Serge Roy, it was in an instant reaction. So. Some of the stuff, I don't think that, it's not that they don't care. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that Sergio did that on purpose and got sent off. But going back to the point um, uh, Jack made, I just don't think he's going to learn because he's too he's too far gone in his career now. Do you know what I mean? It's a little bit like driving. You know, you, you, most of us most of us who drive, if we go and take a driving test now, you'll probably fail because you've got a lot of bad habits and you never get, you know, don't mean that we can't drive. But actually, we're just never going to be, uh, you know, perfect enough to pass our test again. Um, and, and that's probably the same with Serge Aurier. Is the fact is that he's got so many bad habits, he's just never going to get rid of them. Um, what's really interesting, Rick, and I, I'll pull you up on this as well, mate, because we used to say this all the time, Potts used to be the fullback whisperer. 
That's what we nicknamed him. That's he was it. a fullback whisperer. He was the guy that brought in any fullback he wanted and made them absolutely brilliant. He made Danny Rose brilliant, Carl Walker brilliant, he made Trippier brilliant, he made Ben Davis brilliant. It's quite interesting to he ain't made Sergio brilliant to, to be fair. And like, like we said before, he's a talented individual. I just think it comes down to that kind of behaviour and that attitude that we talked about all the time. And I actually think everything that has gone on this season with Spurs, I do think there is a mentality thing. I think that the players that want away, the players that won't sign the contracts, the players that Pochettino don't want, I think I think what's happened there, they think they've reached their peak getting to the Champions League final. And that is a mentality thing. It's not a talent thing. We've got a massively talented squad of players. You know, who wouldn't want to have a Christian Eriksen or a Deli Alley or a Harry Kane or a Son or a Lucas Moore in their squad? I mean, who wouldn't want a Jan Vertonghen and Toby Oliver partnering at the back? They're fantastic players. They are. World class, you can debate that yourselves or amongst yourselves, but great players, very good players. But the point being is that their mentality isn't right. And that's the bit that is so tough to get over. And maybe that's where Chris, Cowlin, one of our own, obviously, and you, Rick, you talk about winning a trophy. Maybe that trophy is the thing that changes our mentality. But the reality is four or five of them players in that squad thought that that's the peak of their career. I'm convinced that Kieran Trippier thought that it was the peak of his career when he scored that semi-final free kick um, um, in the World Cup. And therefore, that's why he had a bad season. I'm convinced of that. I might be wrong, but that's my opinion. And that is so difficult to change their mentality. And when you hear stories like, uh, it's been the same old training sessions, it's the same old message, it needs to be refreshed. For me, it just seems like there's a, Somebody on the Sunday Supplement said this morning about it being a crossroads for Tottenham. I actually think it's a watershed moment for Tottenham in the sense of, like Sir Alex Ferguson in 1989, he'd been at the club for three years. Um, he'd won so much in the past before going to Manchester United, but, but he was very much under pressure and hadn't done what he wanted to do. He won the FA Cup, I think, that season um, and, and, and then look what happened. And I'm not saying that Spurs are going to go on and win like you know 15 Premier League titles on the trot, but, but I actually think that this could be the thing. We've got to get behind the team and stick with the manager and stick with our philosophy because it will work. 100% it will work. I'm absolutely convinced now. I just want to see that from the players. And I, and I think we can go on a big run. I agree with that. Now, before we finish up on Serge, we have to say he did apologise. He did say that he's very sorry for that and he will try and make amends. Just to also shed a fact out there, Oria became the first Tottenham player to be sent off in a Premier League home match since Kyle Norton against Stoke back in November 2014. So it has been a while, but we are going to go for a very quick break now. And when we return, we're going to discuss Harry Kane's heroics to get Tottenham Hotspur over the line, despite Hugo Lloris's attempts to hit the self-destruct button, despite some wonderful saves in that second half. And we're also going to look ahead to Bayern Munich to come on Tuesday. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this very short break. But leading you into the break is Anna from Spurs XY, who's covering another win for the Tottenham Hotspur ladies. Hello everyone, I'm Anna from Spurs XY and welcome back to the Spurs Women segment here on The Last Word on Spurs. And if you can't tell already, my voice is very chirpy, which means Spurs Women also won this weekend. That's right, we beat West Ham Women away 2-0 at the London Stadium. Another WSL game played at a Premier League ground and the second highest record attendance, 24,790 reportedly. Uh, I don't really believe everyone turned up. It was a bit of a rainy day, but uh, regardless, it's still good that we are attracting this many people and turning up to watch the mighty Spurs play and win. Um, 
let's get into it. The starting lineup changed quite a bit. I'm not surprised. I think Juan and Karen are still figuring out who are the best people to play together. How can we play best play as a team? And obviously everyone to gel together so we get used to everyone. Uh, I think what was most exciting that Rihanna Dean finally got a start after coming back from injury. She obviously came off the bench a couple of times in the last games, but uh, but now she finally got a start and boy, did she take it. Like she played so well. Um, I think overall the game was really open, like end to end, both uh, teams creating chances going forward. No one was holding back. Um but I think what really made the difference for us was Chloe Peplo and Josie Green in midfield, which meant that we could control the midfield for the first time in our last couple of games. I really felt like we were giving the ball away previously, but not today. Today, we could actually stop play, intercept play, and then actually create counterattacks from there or just build out from the back. So it meant that our defence didn't have to worry about solely them doing defending we could defend from the midfield but also we could create chances without having to rely on our full backs or wing backs as well so that was what really made the difference for me and that's what really was really exciting um and we took the lead as well with a lovely goal beautiful build up play a lovely cross from Azela Ayan who was using her speed very very effectively today um and she crossed it in and no other but Rihanna Dean went and scored a header in the near post under the keeper and we went 1-0 up and it was really what we needed because, as I said beforehand, we were looking quite good. But after that, we just grew so much in confidence and we took the lead to half time. And honestly, when we came out after the break, we just looked even better. We looked a load more confident and it just grew better and better. Don't get me wrong, West Ham still had chances and they were still dangerous. But it was something about this team that we just we played together so well. And this is finally what I was talking about previously, that we just need to gel together. But once we get that, we'll get that. And we did. We played like such a good team together. Great team spirit, great team morale. I feel like we were understanding each other a lot more and it really came across today. I was very excited. We also seemed really sharp and really fit. So um, this is what I've been telling in the past couple games, that we just needed some match fitness and some togetherness. And they both came today. And we kept West Ham at bay. They had more possession. Um, we created roughly equal amount of chances. They obviously had the home crowd as well, who were a bit louder. But overall, we got away with it. And to be honest, our second goal was really sweet because we brought on some subs, not because our players were tiring, but because we could. And one of them was Lucy Quinn, whose birthday is today, uh, or was on Sunday, whenever you're listening to this. And, um, and she scored a goal. And it was brilliant because it was a free kick for us. and got into the box. Um, it didn't find a Tottenham player. It found a West Ham player and it almost was a, an own goal. They messed up with it so much, but then they cleared it, but only to Lucy Quinn, who could take a shot on the volley and then it went to the back of the net. And that was around 84 minutes. So it meant that the three points were secured in the bag. They celebrated in front of us. The whole team ran over, I think barring the goalkeeper, but everyone ran over to the corner and we were all celebrating. It was just a really, really lovely way to secure the, the game. And I was really happy. We really needed those three points. But I, I just, I think my favourite part was the performance, um, the way we played, obviously, and the togetherness that we showed. Uh, the Barclays man of the match, or player of the match, sorry, was uh, Hannah Godfrey, our defender. And obviously she played brilliantly, uh, hands down. But for me, like, as I said earlier, it was Chloe Peplow probably who just broke up play and, and made sure that our midfield was, was working together. So um, that's what worked for me, really. And yeah... 
Uh, we've got a little bit of a break now. Our next game is against Manchester United at the Hive. So it's a home game, but it's a tough one because we played against United last year and it wasn't easy. So um, if you've got a chance to, then I would highly recommend going down to the Hive. It's on the 13th of October. So yeah, go and get supporting the team. That was pretty much it from me today. Hope you enjoyed this little segment and come on you Spurs women. We just want to say, guys, we have teamed up with Profit Accumulator. Now, Profit Accumulator teaches people how to make some extra money doing something they called match betting. Now, just to be very clear, this isn't gambling, but if you do it correctly, you cannot lose. And if you're sceptical right now, the system itself has been covered by major websites like Money Saving Expert, The Daily Mail, The Sun, Vice, The Guardian and The Telegraph. So it is completely legitimate. So you're going to ask me, how does it work? Well, like any business, bookmakers try to attract new customers by using promotions. And the main way they do this is by using free bets and bonuses. Profit Accumulator helps its members take advantage of these bonuses to make a profit. So let's say, for example, a major high street bookmaker like William Hill is offering a £50 bonus to new customers. So you would sign up and as you might place a £50 bonus on a coin toss landing on heads and a £50 bet on the same coin toss landing on tails, whichever way it lands, it doesn't matter. You won't win any money, but you won't lose any either because you've covered all possible outcomes. However, you then get your £50 sign-up bonus, so you've actually made a £50 profit. That's the basic idea of how it works. Now, just to point out, Profit Accumulator employs a team of experts who source every available free bet offer and then write up the strategies to turn them into cash. There are hundreds of free bets to take advantage of with dozens more every day. You don't need to know about anything sport-wise or placing bets. It doesn't matter if you've never placed a bet in your life before because Profit Accumulator, they walk you through the whole process step-by-step and give you a suit of tools that make the process very easy to deal. Now, as long as you follow the instructions, you really can't lose any money. They're rated excellent on Trustpilot. There's a seven-day-a-week support network, including phone, email, and a thriving members forum, should you have any questions or queries. But I think what must be made clear is match betting won't make you rich, and most just use it to make some extra money every month. But there are some members who, <laughs> astoundingly, have made tens of thousands of pounds over an extended period of time. Now, here at the last one on Spurs, we've got a fantastic zero obligation free trial where the Profit Accumulator team will teach you how to make money with match betting. Completely free of charge. The free trial will walk you through three separate free bet offers worth up to £45. And that's just for starters. Now, from there, you can either walk away with your £45 and buy yourself something nice or you can even make more money by joining their Platinum membership, where you can get access to everything that they offer, including their forum, which explains how some of their customers are making £300 or up to £1,000 a month. Stop missing out. Get started today with Profit Accumulator's Zero Obligation Free Trial to see what it's all about and earn yourself up to £45 in the process. Just head to www.profitaccumulator.com .co.uk forward slash last word on Spurs. John, it's time to discuss Hugo Lloris' performance. I mean, you say Lloris maybe made amends for that earlier incident, but let's discuss it because he attempted a Johan Cruyff turn 
inches away from his own goal line, but missed the ball completely. And Danny Ings tapped home what was going to be definitely the easiest goal he'll ever score in his lifetime. You know, a hideous mistake from Lloris. What did you make of that at the time, John? Yeah, it was absolutely abysmal. The more times you watch it, there's just absolutely no excuse for it. I've watched it back about 10 times for my sins. And he gets the ball passed back to him. And he's got ages to, to kick it, to, to, to look up, take his time, pick out a player. It's just absolutely inexplicable that he decided to, to do that crawlish turn, basically on the goal line. Um, you don't leave yourself with many options when you do that. You know, had he done it, you know, uh, to the right or the left of the goal line, then, you know, maybe you can claw down and put it behind for a corner or something. But you do it literally on the line. It's just suicidal. And, and so it proved to be. Um, it was a moment of madness. He has done this before. Um, but as I always say, with any discussions with, with you know, most notably in the World Cup final, um, but what I always say of any discussion on Hugo Lloris is I am a massive fan. I think it's a privilege that he plays for Tottenham Hotspur. He's shown loyalty to us when I'm sure other big European clubs have been looking at goalkeepers. Um, so for me, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's another one who's got un, you know almost unlimited credit in the bank with me for everything about his game apart from his distribution, his first class. Mm. And we saw that in the second half with his shot-stopping ability from uh, Yoshida and, and James Ward-Prowse and his reading of the game is excellent. Um so, yeah, it was just a disappointing moment and, you know, we won the game. So, let, let, let's not focus on it too much, but it will be something that we brought up in gaff videos for, for years to come. He's had a few of them, though, hasn't he, John? I mean, the argument with me about Hugo Lloris is that if his feet were as good as his hands, this might he sound bad. Tottenham. He wouldn't play for Tottenham. That just being brutally honest with you, he'd be, you know, definitely up there as one of top two, top three best goalkeepers in the world. If he could play with his feet, you'd be talking about a keeper that would have been at Barcelona for the last 10 years. Oh, or Man he would have had that, absolutely or everything. Or Real Madrid, yeah, I, listen, I 100% agree. But, Jack, for a keeper who struggles with his kicking, that was the worst we've seen him by a long way, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was really bad. I was in the press conference afterwards, and Mauricio was asked about it, and he said he takes the blame on himself because he's the guy who asked, who asked Hugo to play like this. Like, it's... It might, you know, and therefore you shouldn't blame Lloris too much because it's Pochettino's policy. I wonder whether he's protecting him a bit there. I also think that that suggests that it's it kind of suggests that Pochettino knows it's not really Lloris's natural game. Mm. Like he's not, he's not like an Edison or an Allison. I would, act, I would actually love to see Tottenham with a goalkeeper like Edison because it means they could build up from the back a lot better. Uh, because it's like Lloris tries his best at it, but it's just not really. It's not, he's more like a De Gea, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's all about quick reactions and reflexes rather than about playing with his feet. Um, so, and I wonder whether, yeah, I, it's just not, it's not really a strength, but this was a particularly bad one. I think he just, he just tried something that was beyond him. You know what I mean? Like he's not, Edison, when Edison tries like stuff like that, it always comes off. Like I've never seen Edison make a mistake with his feet, but Lloris, like he tries it, but he's just not good enough at it. He, it was a technical mistake. He tried the drag back and he couldn't, he couldn't execute it properly. Do you think, Jack, anyway, because Oria wasn't on the pitch, he lost that outlet there. I mean, maybe that's one thing to consider. But we have to also remember, Jack, for Spurs to upgrade on Lloris, I mean, that would cost us a huge amount of money, wouldn't it? Yeah, like I think that's a good point about Aurier. Um But I, yeah, you, you're right. Like, the, the fact is, there's only a really small number of very good goalkeepers in the world. And Lloris isn't perfect, but he's pretty good. And I like the idea of replacing him with someone better would just be really, really hard because you know the, to, to get someone who's better than Lloris in goal uh, would would obviously be very expensive, and Tottenham would be competing with teams that have more money. Um, so I can see that even though Lloris isn't maybe as good as he was three years ago, I I think they should stick with him for a while. I don't think they should drop him. 
Um, but obviously there will come a time in a, a few years' time where they will have to find someone new. new. Yeah, agree. Lee, let's bring your thoughts over to that incident before we look at the good things Larice did in that second half. At the time, you must have been fuming, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, I think you, the lads have summed it up. I mean, you, you, you're in a situation where it's a, it's a must-win game. Southampton is struggling away from home, certainly. Um, you're at home. The crowd is, is in. We've, we've gone one up. It's, we're playing well. And what are you doing? I mean, literally, what are you doing? And I know, and I agree, I agree, actually. I, I obviously wasn't in a press conference, but I watched press conference and Potts did protect him, for sure. He protected him. And that's probably the right thing to do. But Larissa had a lot of protection over the last 12, 13 months or so for, since that, uh, uh, we're lifting that World Cup for France uh, for, via, via Tottenham and, and, and uh, ultimately Pochettino. And it does come a time where you not hang him out to dry because... This is the thing. It's the same with Serge Royce. It's, it's Tottenham through and through. Lloris epitomises it. He does that utterly shocking, uh, ridiculous thing. And then he pulls off two world-class saves. And actually, if, he, if he's not in goal for them two opportunities, we'll probably lose the game. Yep. At, regardless of if he doesn't concede the, the calamity that was. So he's got it in him to be absolutely world-class. He's, he's a World Cup winning captain. But equally, he's got a rick in him. Um, I think I think the, the goalkeepers always have um, it's the spotlights on them because actually they're the last person, obviously. So therefore, if they make a rick, then it then it goes in. But but Lloris has had it, and a, a few uh, people in the media, a couple of journalists, even a year ago, said Spurs won't win anything big when you've got Lloris in goal. But again, how do you replace somebody who's probably one of the top five, maybe top eight goalkeepers in the world? Um, it's it's tough to do, but you know. If you can't coach him anymore to get that out of his game, are we just saying, well, actually, that is part of his game, so we've got to lump it? Or do we play to the, the team's strengths? And, and I know it's philosophy, Pochettino's philosophy to play out from the back and actually to do that. But actually, if you know your goalkeeper can't do it, the difference being with Man City was um, when they had Caballero in goal and they couldn't, he couldn't do it, they, uh, and Joe, um, uh, Joe Hart, he couldn't do it, Pep sacked him and got in Edison. Uh, for somebody who could do it. And yes, they got the different money and different finances and so on and so forth. It's difficult to do, as we're proving that with, with some of the players that Poch wants out and it, they won't go. So, look, I, I don't want to chastise him. I do love uh, Hugo Lloris. I do generally think, not just from yesterday, I think that the captaincy should move over to Harry. Um, and I, I'm sure, Rick, you'll talk about Harry in a minute. But But ultimately, two world-class saves after Rickett and we won the game. So, so actually... You know, he's probably done all right. Yeah, he has. I mean, just to reflect on that part with you, John, because he made a diving full-length tip to put over Wolf Prowse's free kick, which was no doubt heading for that top right-hand corner. He then followed that up with another excellent save, pushing away Yoshida's close-range header with wonderful reactions. I mean, John, like you said, he's always going to have credit in the bank with you. And that's what I mean. Larissa has got that ability to save you games as well as, you know, that ricket in him. It's a very difficult one, isn't it? Fine margins with Hugo at times. Yeah, but I, ju I just feel like the spotlight goes more on him because he's a goalkeeper. And, and, and as Lee said, he's, he's the last line, basically. If he makes a mistake, well, you normally concede. Um, you know, but talking about credit in the bank and how good he is, I, I look back at the Leicester game the week before. Do I think with Hugo Lloris in goal that that shot by James Madison goes in? The answer is no. I think he would have saved it. Yeah. But that, you know, I just think long distance shot stopping, I think he's absolutely brilliant at. Um, so there's, there's multiple times that he saves us over a season. And you, you do just have to sort of lump it because. You know, 
I know, I know Lee made the point about, about Joe Hart and um, I think it's Willie Caballero, the other goalkeepers Manchester City had. Um, but obviously, Lloris, for me, is in the top 10 goalkeepers in the world, top five maybe. Um, so, so there is no one better that we can get at Tottenham Hotspur than, than Hugo Lloris. And, you know, I, I think the other thing about the captaincy, I, I know we all say that Kane should be the captain and all that stuff. I think Kane's probably got too much respect for Lloris. You know, Kane's idols to people like Tom Brady, obviously in the NFL, and, and, and Lloris is a World Cup winning captain. So I don't see, whilst Lloris is still at the club, Kane taking over the armband. It just would not happen. I think there's too much deep-rooted respect there between Kane himself, but also Pochettino and, and Lloris. And I know Lloris is also very friendly with Daniel Levy and, and other people of importance at Tottenham. So I, I can't see the captain's armband ever changing over whilst Hugo Lloris is still employed by, by Tottenham. I don't disagree with that in terms of it, it, um, it. will it happen, but that's not a reason for it not to happen. And I think that's part of some of the issue that we're seeing here. You know, this isn't a job for the boys. Right, they're saying, oh, you know, because I know you and because I know him, that he should have the captain's armband. The reality of the situation is you need to be putting in captain's performances. When, when my, my captain, my football club, comes out and says, we're miles away from winning it, anything, when he comes out and says, I don't think we're going to win any trophies this year, that, that's not what I want to hear from my captain. I want to hear, yeah, I want to hear truths. I want to hear the truths. I want to hear reality. I don't want to hear um, rubbish. But equally, I want to hear that we, we've got it together and we're there. And, you know, that exclusive interview that Harry done and what Harry's come out and said this week, that's leadership. That is captaincy. That is exactly what I want to hear. He's one of our own. And may, maybe if, and it's all rumours and ifs and buts, but if it is true that somebody or one of the senior players have said that it's the same voice we hear it over and over again, maybe a captaincy is a good change. I do agree with you, though, John. I, don't, I, I can't see it under this regime because of the Potichino and the respect and the Larice and so on. And I'm not chastising Larice, but Kane is good for me, for where we are and what we need. He's got more credentials from what I see outside as a fan. Obviously, I'm not in the club. I'm not down a training ground and whatever. But for, for me, Kane seems to fit that bill better than what Lloris or fulfil that role better than what Lloris can. Well, let's bring Harry into the equation here because Jack, you know, he made a massive, massive moment in that game to turn it on its head where things at the time, 1-1, the crowd, you could argue, maybe they're looking to start to turn. But Harry, it was a beautiful move from Tottenham. Sonny and Eriksen exchanging passes before the Dane found Kane who flicked it up and volleyed it home. And you know, just before that goal, I don't know if you noticed it, Jack, that the fans were actually starting to sing the Southampton fans to Maurizio, sacked in the morning, you're getting sacked in the morning, which must have been a first for him to actually hear as a manager. So that goal was even more absolutely crucial timing at the time, wasn't it, Jack? Yeah, you're right. That was a huge goal. I mean, who knows what would have happened if they'd gone in at half-time one all? It would have been a very different second half. They'd, they wouldn't have been able to sit in as deep as they did. Uh, if they tried to come out, maybe Saints would have got them on the break. So, yeah, it's kind of very difficult to see how Spurs would have won the game had Kane not scored that goal. I think Kane's been really good so far this year. He's got 10 and 10 now. Uh, it, you know, everyone, people always ask with Kane, is he fully fit? Is he the player he was a few years ago? I mean, it's really, it's kind of hard to tell, but I I feel positive about Kane so far. I think he looks, I think he's come back this season looking a bit leaner than he was last year. I think last year at times he looked very muscly and, and bulky. I agree. Here, here I think he's looking, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I, looking at him, I think he's lost a bit of weight over the summer. He's clearly worked very hard on his fitness and diet. We all know that. And uh, I think it's showing off. I think it's paying off on the pitch. I think he looks mobile, sharp, as good in the box as ever. Physically, I thought he was fantastic. The other day, there were a few times where he would just like pin a centre back and turn him, or 
burst down, burst past the defender on the outside, that sort of thing. Uh, he looks in total control of his game, and I think he's going to have a great season. Jack, sticking with you, eight goals and two assists in seven games at Harry Kane in the month of September. In your eyes, as a journalist, when you look at it from the outside perspective, just how good is Harry Kane? Oh, he's fantastic. He's the best. You know, he's obviously the best English centre forward since since Wayne Rooney. Uh, I think he's the best. I think he's the best old-fashioned number nine in the world at the moment. Uh, you know, there's other players you might have ahead of him, whether it's but not, but not that many, to be honest. Um, I think he's an incredible servant for Tottenham. Um, I think he, if he, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in his long-term future, um, but I do think if he does stick around at Tottenham, he will break all the records. I think if he stays in the Premier League for the rest of his career, he'll break all the records. I think he'll break the England record. I think he's a fantastic professional leader. I think he's a really nice bloke as well, if you ever get to meet him. So, yeah, I'm full of I, full of praise for Harry Kane. Do you have a view, Jack, on the captaincy at all? Is that an area that you wouldn't look to change with Larissa at the club? Or do you feel with Harry, with his interviews, you know, you've had the opportunity to obviously meet Harry as well. You just do get the feeling that he talks not as just a player, but as a fan as well. And I think back to what Lee's saying there, with Larissa, yes, you want to hear truths. But sometimes, you know, you want to hear that as a player, you're ambitious, you want to win things. Harry seems to be one of those players that... He said it before, it's not about individual things for him. He wants to win things as a team. He wants to win trophies. You know, for you, do you see him being of that leadership mentality where that armband should move over to Harry? Definitely in time. Uh, yeah, I think I think the armband should move over to Harry in, at some point. It's obviously difficult to manage for as long as Hugo's at the club. But I do think he's a natural captain and leader. Uh, you know, it's no, surprise, it's no coincidence that he's the England captain now. Uh, I think he'd be a fantastic Tottenham captain going forward but I think what Kane also proves is that you don't need to wear the armband to be a leader like all that you know everybody clearly he's clearly a leader on the pitch and in the dressing room people take their cues from him um, but yeah you're right it is natural that at some point in the future the armband will go from Hugo to Harry agree with that now Dennis Menace says Harry Kane must be given the captain's armband Everyone at the club knows this, and I'm sure Lloris would have no complaints, apart from John Wenham, of course. Now, John, I want to move things back over to you, because one player, another Harry, who had a fabulous performance, was Harry Winks. I mean, you know, he's easily been, John, hasn't he? One of the most consistent performers for Spurs in a shirt this season. He never stops working, always wants to take us forward, and leaves absolutely everything on the pitch. You must have been impressed again with another great performance from Winksy. Yeah, I've been delighted with him all season, to be honest with you. I think he's probably along with Lamella been our player of the season in these opening sort of set of fixtures. Um, he, he just dictated the tempo and, you know, when you've got 10 men, he is literally a perfect player to be on the pitch in terms of just frustrating the opposition by holding on to the ball, getting in good positions, um, running down the clock, basically. And, and he was excellent at that yesterday. Um, I was really impressed with him and, and have been through the start of the season. And it makes the continued selections by Gareth Southgate of Declan Rice, Ross Barkley, and Jordan Henderson and, and not finding space for Winks look even more baffling as the weeks go on. I expect him to, to be in the squad for those next England games and, and also starting because he's had a brilliant start to the season and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing him come up against someone like Thiago Alicante on, on Tuesday night for, for Bayern Munich. That, that will show you Winks' real level. Mm, I mean, Lee, this guy, as we say with Harry as well, you've got two players there that have come through the academy if we're going to oversee or try to attempt this painful rebuild, the second phase under Maurizio Pochettino... Winksy along with Kane, they're the two players that you want as the foundation leading this, aren't they? This is the painful rebuild. This is the painful bit. 
yeah, they, they still might be in the club for people that don't want. That's why it's painful. So the, the painful rebuild started already. It just hasn't finished. So it's, 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 it's ongoing. But from, from Harry Wink's perspective, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with John. Um, you know I love the whole raw talent piece. Coming through the academy, I think it's been absolutely outstanding. The only baffling thing for me, other than the whole England piece that John just talked about as well, but the only baffling thing for, for me is I, I actually think he may be even more effective a little bit further up the pitch. And um, it's, a, it's a point that actually Jack made earlier on the pod when he, we talked about kind of uh, Ndombele being a kind of easier holding midfield, but actually he's quite an attacking midfielder. And, and actually, I, I was thinking when Ndombele was, was purchased by record sign, I thought he was going to be a holding midfielder and sit and hold. But actually, if you look at the way uh, Pochino's setting up the team this year and, and, and uh, essentially against Southampton as well, Winksy's playing at the base of a diamond and, and therefore he almost becomes the anchor or the holding midfield player. And although he's doing a brilliant job, I actually think actually he's probably more a, a, more of a natural number eight than he would be a kind of a, a, you know, a holding player. And therefore, you know, what excites me, and again, looking on the positive side rather than his negativity stuff, is that we've got Eric Dyer now being introduced back into the side. Some ridiculous stats that you guys were pulling out last week with regards to Eric Dyer um, and how many games, uh, what our form's dropped off since his his uh, uh, illness and, uh, and injury problems and so on and so forth. And get a fit Eric Dyer back in to start to anchor that midfield as well and to start push pushing up maybe Winksy a little bit further up the pitch, I think he could be even better. Um, you know, one criticism, if, if there is one, of Winksy is that, oh, does he get into forward scoring positions? Um, you know, n- not so much, but I actually think he could if he pushed up a little bit further up the pitch and therefore getting behind. He's, he's always looking to go forward. He's like, um, he reminds me a little bit of a Scott Parker, if I'm honest. You know, he can turn on a sixpence really, really quickly, get the ball, protect the ball. He rarely gives the ball away. And once he got the ball, he can have a look and he, w- he will want to m- move it from, from a defensive uh, position into a kind of a forward position or an attacking position. I think that's what he's learned. And that, that for me, is where... KWPs uh, can learn as a young player, but the Serge Aurier's and these people that were saying that we can't learn anymore. Well, Winksy learned that because when he first came into the team, he was backwards and sideways, but now he's not. He's very much moving forward and he's been coached to do that. And you can clearly see he's a wonderful, wonderful player. And I'm really pr- I'm proud and I-, I love the fact that he's one of our own. We need to get a song for him, not just another one of our, he's one of our own, although he is. That's kind of Harry's song. We need to get a Winksy song, don't we, boys? We do. Lee, before I move it on to Jack to get your thoughts on Winksy, you mentioned Eric Dyer there. Quick question here from Getting Worse at Getting Worse. He says, do you think we need Dyer sitting in the middle with all of our full-backs playing like Sunday League players? Having Dyer coming for the centre-backs who will inevitably get dragged out of wire to cover our full-backs, it will give us more stability in the back to build upon. It will also free up another midfield role. Quickly, Lee, your thoughts on that. I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, look, you know, I like, I love Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer loves me, by the way. Uh, that's what I'm just saying. And the, the reality is that a fit Eric Dyer, when he was, and it, it's not just injury problems. He's been ill as well with with, um, with his appendix problems and so on and so forth as well. He's, he's devoid of confidence. You can see that even when he's coming on the pitch. I love to see him back on the pitch and getting a fully fit Eric Dyer to break that plan. When we played with the fullbacks really high in the pressing game, when the Carl Walkers and the Danny Roses were playing really, really high at the pitch, Eric Dyer sat, but then he had the ability to sit as a centre back three. So we would play a 4 2 3 1 
um, or, or however we set up then. But then the fullbacks would push on and Dyer would almost come and sit and then we'd have that free. And I think that's what we'd been missing. It was the same with Wanyama. Wanyama didn't sit so much as a centre-back in that three, but when he had that brilliant season for us or 18 months for us, we, we haven't had that since. It's been a, it's been a real tough tough period in that central midfield and when you look at our defensive issues I've talked about so much haven't I Rick on, uh, on, on, on the pod over the last kind of season how many times we chop and change Pochin has always chopped and changed his fullbacks he's always that is clearly his belief and his philosophy but we've chopped and changed our centre-back pairings our full-back pairings our goalkeeper and full-back pairings with our centre-backs so many times over the last kind of 12, 14, 15 months. There needs to be some sort of stability and I think we're trying to find a solution because that holding position has been a problem for us. It has indeed. Back to Winksy. I want to ask you, Jack. Aidan at, at Hanji says, why doesn't Wink seem to get the credit he deserves? Been absolutely key for Spurs. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, I, th- I think he's a great player, Winks. He's so... Uh, he's so mobile, he's always on the move, he's got a fantastic touch, he's got a good football brain. I think it's a bit different this year with him, like you said, playing at the base of the diamond because um, it's good in the sense that he can keep Spurs' possession moving and start attacks. I do think there's a slight defensive question mark sometimes. I think we've seen a little bit, sometimes where he gets a little bit targeted or isolated and teams can get through. And that's not really his fault, Um Maybe maybe he would be better off playing alongside a natural holding midfielder like an Eric Dyer. Um, and I also agree with the point that he should be playing for England. It seems baffling to me that Declan Rice would be uh, would be in the team ahead of him. Like if you want like if you want someone who plays holding midfield, might as well just play Eric Dyer. Like Declan Rice to me seems like basically Eric Dyer two point um, So I don't really see I don't really see Southgate's thinking on that one. Or I do, but I just don't really agree with it. Uh, but yeah, massive massive fan of Harry Winks here. Fantastic. That's good to hear. John Sissoko, he tried his heart out at right back, didn't he? I mean, we have had a question in... I will give the credit to the person, but let me read it out to you. Do you think Sissoko is the best right back of all? And that's actually from Sugar Ray Stav. Um, do I think he's the best right back of all? Well, For Tottenham, I think well he's referring Saturday. to. Yeah, he, he, he did very well on Saturday, that's for sure. Um, but, no, you know, he's an excellent central midfielder, a box-to-box central midfielder. So... Um, we're not blessed with good right backs. It's an interesting question, and and you know, say we had a, a whole run of injuries and he had to slot in there for a sustained period of time, I would actually have no problem with that. I think he'd give a, a good performance. It feels like his confidence is so high now that you could slot him in almost anywhere except up front, and he'd be very effective. Mm. Jack, just want to come back to you for a second because Spurs don't normally award contracts of four years to thirty-plus-year-old players. Is it a rule change in policy? Tottenham have done that with Sissoko. You know, probably not, but. In exceptional circumstances, when a player has been the ultimate professional, plus improved, is that the reward? That's maybe a one-off in Sissoko's case. Yeah, that's a really good point. That is not common Tottenham policy to give those long-term contracts. I just think, you're right, it, it proves how how important Sissoko's been in the last few years. I mean, last year I thought he was probably the best, probably Spurs player this season. Um, he was fantastic in terms of what what he offered. Like everybody knows that you know Sissoko look can look sometimes a little bit out of place at Spurs. Like they, you know, he's not really a natural midfielder. Uh, most other teams who are competing at Spurs' level in the Champions League or the Premier League have got much more individual quality and technical quality in midfield than someone like Sissoko. But he's very useful for the team for what he can offer. 
in terms of his defensive work, his running off the ball, his application, his discipline. Uh, and that's why I think it would be quite good to see him at right back. You know, he wouldn't be in my first choice midfield with everyone fit, but I th- why not play him at right back? Like, I don't think any other options at right back are very good, to be honest. And I kind of feel like he deserves to be in the team. Do you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't deserve to be dropped because he is such a good professional. It's not, it's not his fault that he's not as talented as the other players around him, no. but he has certainly mo- made the most of his talent in the last, in the last year or so. I agree. Lee, I think this is a guy that you'll have a lot of respect for because you're all about the, the mantra of, you know, you know, effort. If you put that in, it's just as hard as talent. And that is exactly what Soko is about, isn't it? It's a player that was written off, wasn't really given, you know, a huge amount of inspiration from the fans at the time. He joined up yeah. for a massive price tag, as we know, 30 million to kind of deal with that. And the way he has got the fans back on his side... The sheer amount of effort he gives is 100% when he's out on that pitch. He's earned that new contract, hasn't he, Lee? Oh, for, for absolutely no doubt in, in, in surely in anyone's mind. Of course he has. And again, I agree, I agree with what Jack said. You know, it's, it's a difficult one because his, his, his sheer energy and enthusiasm and his work rate gets him into them positions to, to, to influence the game, that breaking up the player. A lot of people forget that. The the, uh, the third goal that we scored, or I think it was the second goal, sorry, that we scored uh, in in the uh, in the game against um, Villa. Um, he chests that ball down. He powerhouses through midfield, and he puts a beautiful ball through to Kane. He, he's got he has got that ability, and I agree. You know, um, uh, uh, Adrian's corner, as he always found on the on the on the show, doesn't he? Rick talked about. Um, Sissoko being a right back, didn't he? he, he all them w- weeks ago, he said about it, and Jack just made that point there. You know, he, he rarely puts a foot wrong. Um, Sissoko, he's got the energy to to burn enthusiasm, he, he, and he's technically he is he is a good player. Um, you know, I, I think that he's earned that contract. I think the other thing about the contract situation is it's very interesting. You know, it isn't normal Spurs policy as as we've already discussed, but it's happened. So what does that say about the other players that are kind of 30 and above or approaching 30 and above that, that aren't signing their contracts or aren't being offered new contracts? Again, it's another little bit of a statement there to sort of say, look, if you play and you earn this contract, you'll get one. But actually, you won't get one if you don't earn it. Do, do you see what I mean? So maybe it's also the club is, 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 is sending a message out to, to the other players as well. But for sure, look, he was my player of the season last year. And when you look at what, what you know, Lucas Moore doing bits in the Champions League and you know Son doing bits when Kane's not around and, you know, unbelievable season from Son. But for me, Sissoko was the player of the season and, and I voted for him. So uh, he absolutely deserves his contract and, and fair play to the fella you know there's nothing there's nothing and this is what i was saying before about club as a whole i know i probably ain't said this on air because i've been on air for a couple of weeks but i know i've said this to you rick and on the whatsapp group whatever it's like you can't get better unless you feel bad times it's the times now the bad times the times when you're failing that's when you learn when you step outside your comfort zone that's when you learn if you're always in your comfort zone you don't learn it's the same as our football club it's the same as the players you know we're going into territory we've never been before the territory of a new stadium we've never had it before the territory of trying to dine at the top table or be with these elite clubs we've never been at it before jack touched on it a bit uh, uh, earlier about you know it's, it's different now at spurs and the, one of the key reasons it's different is players are now looking around going where else am I going to go? Now, if a Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern or City, Liverpool um, and maybe Juventus don't come in for Christian Eriksen, he stays at Tottenham. 
to, because there's nowhere else for him to go. Now, five, four or five years ago, he could have probably gone 15 different clubs. Now he can only go to five or probably only wants to go to two. And that is a different mindset in the club. And that's what I'm saying, you know, it's, it's, it's a shift in, in everything. And, the, and it's going to get better. And we have to go through some pain before it does get better. And I know some of them fans, we scream at us when they're listening to us when it goes out at midnight. <laughs> Um, and they'll be going, oh, shut up, we want a trophy, we want a trophy. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, in, since we were founded in 1882, we've won the league title twice. Twice in, in, since 1882. So no one's got a God-given right. I'm not saying I'm not ambitious. I'm not saying I don't want to win the Premier League. What I'm saying is you've got to put it into context. You know, in the short space of time, that this management team, including the, the, the owners, all the way from everybody else, that the whole team that we've got right now, it's only been five years. Mm. And that's where you've got to put it into context. Yeah. Well, listen, we've got a massive game to come Tuesday night. Tomorrow, for those listening to the pod now, because it is Bayern Munich coming to town for Tottenham Hotspur. And John, I'm going to start with you, because I think it's fair to say Spurs and Bundesliga champions Bayern Munich are the clear favourites to progress from Group B, which pretty makes the 2-2 draw at Olympiacos even more frustrating for Spurs, given that we were two goals to the good at the time before conceding those couple of goals to draw the game level but I mean do you think John in your mind that Spurs must realistically take points off Bayern Munich in one of their two group games to finish top of the table and give themselves even better chance of a favourable draw in that last 16? Yeah well first of all I'm really looking forward to the day and and the game Um, obviously on, on the day of the Champions League you have the Youth Champions League games as well so I'm going to be heading over to Hotspur Way to see that first at three o'clock and then over to the new Tottenham Stadium for the, for the main game. So it's going to be a really great day. Um, on the game itself, it's, I mean, it's a massive game. I mean, people will think of Bayern Munich and think of the likes, they've lost the likes of Robbery and, and, and River and, um, over the summer. Um, Ribery. Um, but actually, their form's been phenomenal. They're sitting comfortably top of the Bundesliga at the moment. Uh, Philippe Coutinho has started to shine. Obviously, who people, fans of the Premier League know well. Um, and this, I think they scored 17 goals in their last five games. So they're going to be a real threat by Munich and they shouldn't be underestimated at all. Um, I see it being a, you know, an exciting game. It's, this is what, for me personally, this is this is what, you know, the Champions League and going towards the top of the new stadium under the lights and the music and the top level players. I mean, some of my favourite players play for Bayern Munich. I mentioned him earlier, but Thiago is just fantastic. I would have always loved Tottenham to have signed him had someone who can control the game from midfield like that, um, Robert Lewandowski, etc. So it's going to be a really, really great game and um, I'm really looking forward to it. Agree. Jack, I want to bring you in because Bayern are currently top of the Bundesliga, have drawn two of their opening six games and are not the attacking force they once were. They've still got Philippe Coutinho's in superb form. Both he and Lewandowski could cause Spurs some real problems. What is your thinking going into this one for Tottenham? Um, well... I don't watch a lot of Bundesliga, so I'm not like an expert. But I've not been massively impressed with Bayern in the last few years. You know, the, they're not as good as they were under Pankers or under Pep. I think that team has very much peaked. Yeah, of course, they've still got some fantastic players. But Niko Kovac isn't really a top manager. He's not as good a manager as Pochettino. Um, and I think Tottenham can win. I think Tottenham can certainly win. I mean, Bayern nearly lost the league to Dortmund last year, which is... Um, which is pretty hard to do given the massive financial disparity between the two clubs. Um, so I don't think Spurs should be intimidated by Bayern at all. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tottenham won. Mm. I mean, Lee, you're always the one to speak about the atmosphere, the need to galvanise that crowd. We do really need it to be there, don't we, Tuesday night for this one? 
Ah, it'd be amazing. Uh, John's already touched upon it, and this is why I get so frustrated with it against the Newcastle game because it should be the same reason. It shouldn't just because it's wet, uh, under the lights and it's at the you know we get the flags out, we do the to, to dares to do and all that. So why don't we do that on a three o'clock kick kickoff against Newcastle? Do you know what I mean? That that's that was my frustration uh, at that game. But coming on to the Bayern game, I'm absolutely confident. Honestly, we've gone away, and, and Jack, you just uh, touched on it there. Uh, we went away to, to Dortmund last year and put in an unbelievable performance, 1-1-0. Uh, we smashed them back at our place, uh, and it was at Wembley, of course, 3-0 uh, as well. Buying out this, uh, the force, and I'm using the Dortmund as a comparison because of, of what Jack's just said. Um, I, I, the, what we did in the Champions League last year is, is amazing. And that Olympiacos result, let me make my words clear here, and if you can kill, you can came on, on social media in, in a few months' time. That is a good point. I'm telling you now, that will be a good point. There will not be many teams that go to Olympiacos and roll them over. And yes, we will tune it up and you can put a negative spin on it. But the reality of the situation is it was a good point. It, we played awful. And we're in crisis, by the way, in, in case everyone ain't noticed. We're in utter crisis. We're a shambles. <laughs> we are useless. We're crap. No one wants to play for us. People are doing this, that and the other. And that's, that's going to be a good point. So, the, 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 you know, the reality is the, the lane will be rocking on Tuesday night. We'll go out there, we can play. And that game that we just played against Southampton, that defensive display, will give us real confidence, in my opinion, to go out and put on a good show. And, and there's no reason why, like, again, like what the boys have just said, there's no reason why we should be intimidated. Bayern Munich, as a name, is intimidating. Bayern Munich, the football club, the entity that is, 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 is intimidating. But Bayern Munich, the team, the football team right now, 11 men, that's not intimidating. We can turn them over. Do you feel, Lee, though, Spurs must realistically, as I said to John, must take points off Bayern in one of the two group games to finish top of the table and give themselves a better chance of that favourable last 16 draw? Because a defeat, it could leave us with a real battle to get out of the group at all. Do you agree or not? Yeah, look, of course, you, you want a favourable draw, but, but there's no easy game in the Champions League. We just talked about that with Olympiacos. We just talked about the fact that, you know, we were, what, three minutes or five minutes from going out of last year's Champions League in the group stages. And we got through. Lucas Moore scored against Barcelona and uh, didn't, didn't take their chance. We go through, we get to Champions League final. It's cup football at the end of the day. Yes, it's a league format to begin with, but at the end of the day, it's cup competition. You need a bit of luck. You go and win six or seven games on the trot, um, and, and ultimately, you know, you, you can be in the final. And the, the other thing as well, home games are critical. You, you, I think you probably need 10 points to get out of the group. Um, and yeah, we, we are the favourites to get out of the group with Bayern Munich. But we've, again, we've proved it. This is the experience thing. This is where it pisses, I can swear on this pod, can't I? Because we're not on radio. You can say what you it want. Pisses <laughs> me, it pisses me off that people are still talking about the whole Spursy thing and so on and so forth on the back of. We smashed... We, we've smashed teams. We've gone away and beaten teams. We've got good results against against teams in the Champions League. We topped a group that had Real Madrid in it, who, by the way, that season went on to win the bloody competition. We topped that group. Yeah, I agree, Lee. I can feel the passion coming across yeah. the airwaves. For sure. No, the, the, yeah, again, it's just frustrating that you know, we, we need to be able to get behind the team and show that passion and enthusiasm because that's all we all want that. Yeah, we, yes, I'm as frustrated as any other Spurs fan. But the reality is, we need to we need to make our voices heard and get behind the team in tough times. And we are going through some tough times. There's no reason why we can't go and, uh, and beat. Them. Look, we might get turned over eight 0 but we might go and win four 0 
you know, stranger things have happened. I just think get behind a team with with the with the right result. This this again could be another another shot in the arm, so to speak. We get a result against Bayern Munich. We're going into the uh, into the weekend with a, a couple of fantastic wins under our belt. Agree. Right, let's head straight to the predictions because the show we are running out of time. Lee, let's start with you. Prediction, please, for Tuesday night. Oh, we're going to lose 8-0. <laughs> no, I'm, <joking. laughs> I'm joking, team. Come on, talk to me. I think we... Uh, I think we... I think we, it'll be a tight game, of course. I think we concede because ultimately we, we, we generally do, um, uh, which, which is a shame because, like, again, like I said, you know, if, uh, if it was easy, we wouldn't be Spurs. So I think it'll be, it'll be, a, be a tough game. But I'm going to go for a Tottenham win, uh, 2-1. Okay, 2-1 Tottenham win. Lee, thank you for coming back on. Are we going to see you on Thursday night for Love Sport, Lee? Are you around for Thursday night? I am hopeful, but I am banged at work at the moment. So hopefully I can get back on because I've got a camera in there now. So I'm, I'm, I'm gagging to get on there and start dancing. I mean, that's but, a good uh, or bad thing. I mean, that could be good or bad depending oh, if you're in the show. Thing, but it's all fun. <laughs> Fantastic. Nice to have Lee McQueen back on the show. Cheers, Thanks, lads. Lee, as always. Thanks, thanks, John, thank you as always. Tell us a prediction, John. Come on. What's your prediction for this one? I'm I'm slightly concerned about the fact that our players have played, you know, we've played ten men for a large duration of the game on Saturday, and I think our energy levels may show second half. I hope I'm wrong, uh, but I'm going to go for an entertaining two-all draw. Do you think, though, John, maybe injecting the likes of Delhi Lamella into that starting lineup that could help us? Uh, I don't think Delhi deserves to be starting that that game on Tuesday, um, okay. but I would expect Lamella to start. Okay, so you still backing us, John? You still think we can get over the line? We'll come out of the group, definitely. Um, I think we'll finish this game 2-2. OK, fantastic. Jack, can you give us a prediction? Are you allowed to give us a prediction? Yeah, I'm allowed to give a prediction. 2-0 um, uh, Tottenham. 2-0 Tottenham, OK. And Jack... Bottom of rubbish. <laughs> and yes, Jack... Jack, we love you. We, we love, love it. Good Jack, sticking <laughs> with you for a second, I have to ask you this question. Marius Scoggim says, do you think Spurs will sign any fullbacks in January? Love the podcast. Can we ask you that as a... The closing question for you, Jack, for the show. Uh, they, well, I don't think they'll sign a left-back because I think Sessegnon will be the left-back long-term. Right-back, yeah, if they can get rid of Aurier. They tried to sign um, Eric... I don't know how you pronounce his name. H-Y-S-A-J. The uh, Albanian lad that plays okay. for Napoli. He said I might have butchered that, but no. I, I, I yeah, so they, they had a look yeah. at him in the summer and I wouldn't be surprised if... Maybe they'll go back for him, maybe they'll go for someone else. But yeah, I, I, would, I reckon they'll get a right-back. I am going to go one further, Jack. Are we signing Dybala? I wanted to ask that. I wanted to ask that. <laughs> Honest, come on, Dybala. Honestly, absolutely no idea. Okay. No idea. He's, he's, he's keeping it alive, though, Lee, for us. Do you know what I mean? The way Jack's going nah, to put for that... For sure, for sure. It's, a, it's an Ericsson-Dybala swap in January. Come on. Come on, listeners. You know it's going to happen. <laughs> Jack, thank you for coming on, making your debut. It's been a pleasure, and I hope we get the chance to do it again soon, Jack. That's my pleasure. You're a start, Jack. Thank you, Dad. Just a reminder, Jack, where can Tottenham fans find you for your content? Tell us where they can find you, Jack. So you can find me on theathletic.com uh, and then click on click on Tottenham and then all, all my stuff is there. Or you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pitbrook. Okay, fantastic. Like we said, Jack is covering Tottenham Hotspur for the season. Go ahead and check his content. And Jack, just on a wider mark, The Athletic, they're doing some really good stuff, aren't they? I mean, you're leading the Tottenham content, of course. Yeah, we've got a really big team of reporters uh, recruited across the summer with more good people to join. We've got specific people for every Premier League club. We've got Championship, we've got SPL. Uh, we've, it's, a, it's a fantastic big team. There's lots of really good content on our website, so I'd really, really strongly recommend subscribing if you're not already. Lovely. And Jack, one more time, where can people find you just for your content? Just one last time. 
TheAthletic.com. Okay, fantastic. Well, guys, go and check Jack's content out. But we are back with a patron show this week. We are back on Love Sport this week. Massive, massive show coming your way. Hopefully discussing Tottenham Hotspur getting their first win of their Champions League against Bayern Munich. As always, come on you Spurs. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.